world is a mess. The world's a mess. I'll say it again one more time, just so we are loud and clear. The world is a mess. And nobody knows how to clean it up. Have the masks cleaned it up? No. Is a vaccine cleaning it up? I don't think so. What is cleaning it up? I mean, we have been locked in our houses. We have quarantined ourselves. We stopped high-fiving. We stopped handshaking. We stopped hugging. We stopped all of that. We got out and voted. We've done everything we know to do to try to clean up this mess, but there is still a mess. I still believe it. The end is not now, but the end is near. I don't know of one single person out there that is not concerned. I don't know of one single person out there that's not looking at their world and their country and thinking to themselves, oh, yeah, it's good. I like it now. I like it. It's perfect. No, we want our life back. Well, I don't know if we'll ever get it back. But one thing is for certain. There is no hope in anything else but the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truly the one that came to clean up the mess. And that was the sin mess. It was the mess of unrighteousness. That's really what Calvary is. It is a picture of hell. It is a picture of what sin really is. It brings death. It brings destruction. But the good news is when you see Calvary, you realize it should have been me on that cross. But Jesus got up on that cross so you and I wouldn't have to. That is our hope. That is our faith. You know, to the world, they see as just some dead guy on a tree. But to us, it is wisdom. It is power. It is authority over sin, over hell, over death, and the devil, and all of his idiot demons that go along with it. So you know what? Yes, clean your mag. Put some bullets in your gun. Do everything you can to arm yourself, protect yourself. I believe in leaving all of that. Stock up on frozen pizzas. For those of you that are in tinfoil hats and holding on to your flashlight, keep on. Just keep on. Protect your mind from the aliens. But for the rest of us, it has been tried and proven. Two of the greatest tools that you'll ever have is your Bible and your prayer time. We have got to get a hold of God in our homes. We have got to be reading the word of God as families. We have got to make God first and his kingdom the priority. If your church doors are open, you need to get to church. I can't, I don't know exactly who said it, but I saw a meme earlier and it said that the churches that are having revival are the churches that are having church. Pastor, it's time to open up your church again. Go underground. If you got to get secretive about it, do it. We have got to assemble. Nobody, nobody will ever comprehend, I think, totally the power of assembling together. The strength that you receive when you gather together as a congregation to call out to the Lord. We've got to stay together during all of this. You are not going to be able to fight this so much alone. You have got to stay together. That is the power of the church of the living God. Open up your altars again. 
Open up your classes once again. Do everything you can because I believe as this plague mysteriously came, it is mysteriously departing. And it seems like there is a great darkness cast all over this country, all over the world. But I believe what God told me on July 4th in the year 2020, that a light does remain. You're here to listen. I'm here to talk. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. I'm having a strange day because I've had a very strange week. Matter of fact, it's just been a strange year already. I, it, January feels like a big Monday. It does. You're kind of trying to get back to it. It's kind of a slow start. I had a very weird uh, Monday evening. I was driving to a friend's house, going to watch the Ohio State game. I'm not really much into college football, but I was uh, born in the state of Ohio, and I try to go for uh, the Ohio State every once in a while. So as I was on my way there, my car, my car, my car started shutting down. Matter of fact, it soiled itself. You see, I'm the type of guy, I don't need a new flashy car. I'm just not that way. I'm very happy and very content to have anything that gets me from A to B. Matter of fact, the car that I drive, it was once my wife's car. Shortly after we got married uh, 10 years ago, I bought her a car. Nice little car. And she drove it and was very happy with it. Well, then our beautiful children came, and we needed more than just a car. So I got her a good-sized SUV. She's driving that now. It's a nice ride. But I drive the little car. It's getting old. It has 225,000 miles on it. So things begin to go wrong. And sure enough, I was driving, and I was on the phone with Justin Michael, talking about the things of the Lord, headed to my friend Nathan Santo Mary's house. Uh, Pastor Nathan had uh, smoked up a bunch of meat, like bratwurst and pork loin and steaks and chicken and all of that. Oh, I was excited. And I was hoping for a nice win uh, for Ohio State. But on my way there, I'm on the phone with Justin Michael, talking about the things of God, talking about this world, talking about this election, talking about revival, talking about the church. And all of a sudden, the car shut down. I'm like, I got to let you go, man. And I'm on a major interstate here in Kansas City. And I'm thinking ahead, like, oh, God. I mean, my car shut down. I, 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 I'm putting my foot on the gas. Nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting my foot on the brake, and I think for a second there was nothing. I mean, it totally just shut down. Lights went off in it, radio went off in it, everything went off in it, everything, I mean, it was dead. And I'm praying immediately, God help me, get me to a safe place. And I barely coast, barely coast to a little median where one interstate and another interstate merge. And I park right there. I mean, this little median, this little spot, it's like only nine feet wide. It's small, it's tight, it's at night. And my, and my car flashers won't even come on. I am there in the dark. And cars are coming, swerving right by me on the left side and the right side, going 70 miles an hour. I'm sitting there in that little car with my seatbelt on. And anytime a car would pass, my car would shake. like, woof. 
And then the big semis would come and make matters worse. I was on a bridge. You know, you can feel the bridge bouncing. I felt fear. I felt terror. I was afraid for my life. I started talking in tongues. And finally, when I felt the burden lift a little bit, I finally came to my senses and got out my phone and uh, got a tow truck on its way over to where I was. It had been about 10 minutes then after that, and I was still talking in tongues. That's all I could do was talk in tongues. Like, God, keep me safe. Protect me. Uh, the, I mean, the, I, I love my town in a nice place, but where I was at is not the best part of the city. And, you know, I don't know who's out there who's seeing somebody stranded on the road. You know, that's typically where thieves break in, you know, like the like the man on his way to Jericho fell among thieves. I, I'm, I'm thinking of all the, the horrible things that could happen. Well, I call my dad and my dad was actually out out driving him and my brother-in-law, Dan Badger. And they're driving and they come and get me. It had been 30 minutes stuck there in that car, stranded on the side of the road. It was just me and God. And I tell you what, I learned something in that time. That when you feel like your life is a mess and you have no control over it. I didn't even know what to pray. All I could do was speak with the languages of the spirit. And I tell you what, during that time in that car, I was speaking languages in the spirit that I have never spoken before. That I have never in my life heard anybody speak. You know, you know, and it, most of the time when we talk in tongues, it's, it's worship unto God. Only God understands it. And we really don't care what we're saying. We just know God likes it. And until it's a message for the congregation, you know, when you're speaking to people, you need, you need to have an interpretation because it's, you know, uh, not profitable. That's how the gifts of the Spirit work. But in that car talking in tongues, I can't say I understand fully the interpretation of it. I've been asking God to help me. What was I speaking in that moment? All I know is I was chanting the Psalms in some ancient language. I was calling out to God to be my help, calling out to God to be my refuge, calling out to God to make me invisible to my enemies, calling out to God to give me safety in where I'm at, to protect me. You know, back then when they were at war, you know, you got swords, arrows, all of that. You know, God was their armor. God was their defense. I was calling out to him, for safety. That's the power of the Spirit. When we don't know how to pray, the Spirit knows how to make intercession. It knows how to speak what needs to be spoken. In yielding to the Holy Ghost, we serve a powerful God. And if anything, the Pentecostal movement got right, it was the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost by the sign of speaking in other tongues. We have brought back the supernatural. We have brought back what God initially gave the church. And that was spiritual power, spiritual giftings, spiritual authority. And I, you know, I, I, I you know, I had to replace an alternator and it was under 500 bucks. If you can get serious work done on any of your cars for under 500 bucks, you ought to be thanking God. You ought to be thanking God because that's a good price. <laughs> you know, 
But uh, the car's up and running. We got here safe and sound. So I thank God for that. Thank God for, for cars, technology, and all of that. But it's made by men, and it will break down on you. But, you know, you just got to keep rolling. You know, right now, maybe you feel like your life is broken. You know what you need? A sign from God. A signal from God. There's just something about knowing that the Lord is right there that helps you feel like everything is going to be okay. I've been asking God to give me a deeper level of love for him like I've never had before. I've just been praying that scripture in 1 John chapter 4. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm like, Lord, let me love you with everything I got because that love will cast out that fear. You know, have you ever been in love? You know, Valentine's Day is coming up uh, uh, next month. Better start thinking about that. You know, love, when you fall in love, it doesn't matter what you have or don't have. Love makes you feel so happy and content. When you're in love, you don't care about your problems, your responsibilities, all your anxieties, all your worries. Love tends to overpower that. It tends to overpower that. So right now we feel weak. We feel powerless due to pandemic, due to uh, these riots, and due to the corruption. You know, there's all types of uh, opinions out there of what's, what's about to happen here in the United States of America. And a lot of us really don't know who to believe. All the conspiracy theories out there. I tell you what, I have never been more watchful and more open to conspiracy theories than I have been this year. At what's going on right now in Washington. I mean, I have been zoned and tuned in. And I tell you what, I believe it. I believe it. I'm not going to talk much about it. There are other guys out there. I'll refer you to uh, Danny Torres. Danny Torres, he's made some phenomenal Facebook Live videos uh, in the past couple weeks. I highly recommend you go to his Facebook and watch his Facebook Live archives. He'll uh, fill you in on things that were actually predicted years ago that are going down right now. So you have all of this, and in a way we almost feel oppressed, oppressed by society. Some of the darkest moments in biblical history are found in the book of Judges. When I was a youth pastor and we'd have newer youth group kids, newer disciples come in, you know, they, we'd get them a Bible and they look at it like, what do you want me to do with this thing? You know, the Bible to them is like something grandma read, <laughs> you know, and a lot of them don't even read books, you know, and so trying to get them to read the Bible. And, you know, I would rare, very rarely ever recommend them start reading Genesis or the book of Acts or anything. You know what I would do to, to the kids that were like into vampires and stuff like that? I'd say, read the book of Judges. It's a very dark book. You know, people get hacked into pieces. You'll love it. <laughs> there was no king, no authority. Everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. And then you got uh, heroes like Samson. You know, they'd read it and they'd come back and say, oh, I loved it. I actually read it five times this week. The book of Judges just tends to, I mean, it speaks to everybody, but it tends to really connect with people that just think everybody is out to get them. 
It really connects with people that find no purpose. It really connects with people when they feel absolutely powerless. Because that is where Israel was in those days and times. They were constantly oppressed by their enemy. And the reason was for that is because they had fallen to sin. They would look at the surrounding nations like the Moabites and the Ammonites. And they would look at their success and they would say, you know, their God gives them success. Their God gives them their power. And they would forsake the God that brought them up out of Egypt gave them uh, that land. They would forsake the covenant of Abraham, forsake all of that, and go after the strange gods of the Gentiles round about them. And they would intermarry with them. And they would uh, forsake the Lord. And when that happens, God would say, you forsake me, I will forsake you. Let's see how you do without me. And sure enough, that's when the people that they envied became their oppressor. (laughs) Can I tell you this right now, guys and girls, do not envy the success of that sinner that's sitting next to you in the classroom. Do not envy what that other co-worker has. You stick with God. If you forsake God, he forsakes you. You're never going to have anything. Do never, ever, never envy the wicked. It doesn't last. It doesn't prosper. It's not really truly how we excel and succeed in life. Stick with the covenant and plan that God gives you. You don't believe me? Try it out. Try it out. Forsake God and see how successful you become. Forsake the truth and see how well it goes. Oh, you'll get the rug pulled out from underneath you. Yeah, you will. That's what happened to Israel. God forsook them. Said, fine, try it on your own. And during those times, Israel would call out to God. You know what he'd do? He'd send him a judge. Somebody to stand up and say, this is right, this is wrong. You know what? We need that right now. That's the message in this world. Don't judge me. Stop judging me. You're too judgmental. You can't judge me. Well, when times get dark and when things are really bad, believe me, you need somebody to stand up and say, you're wrong. You're doing it all wrong. See, really, the church isn't judgmental. You know what we are? We're a people that warns, warns people who are in trouble. That's right. Yeah, I believe our church is a judgment-free zone, but we're not a warning-free zone because we don't serve a judgment-free God. God is the judge. None of us are the decision-maker. We're just warning you what God thinks. We're showing you how God thinks about it. But for whatever reason, nowadays, people just think they can do whatever they want and God loves them anyhow. (laughs) If that is the case, then why did Jesus have to die? Because of sin. Yep, sin. Yeah, you think you can get away with it? Oh, no, God hates sin. There's no room for sin in his kingdom. Hell is the place for sin. And whatever you follow and live for now, you will follow and live for it in eternity. That's why we preach repentance. That's why we preach change your life. That's why, that's that's the message. That's why we haven't watered it down, washed it down. We still live holy, still act holy, still look holy. Yeah. We're all about the Bible. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. God, Bible, 
and church. God, Bible, and church. You, know, you hear people say, oh, I don't need any of that. I'm basically a good person. I don't need church. I'm a good person. I don't need Bible. I'm a good person. I don't need God. I'm a good person. God loves me just as I am. Yeah, that's right. That's how people think of it. You got an alcohol addiction, a drug addiction, a sex addiction, various divorces on your record, criminal record. You can't hold down a job, depending upon everybody else, to uh, pay for your imaginary entitlements. Yeah, you're a good person. Let me, anybody who says they're a good person, run the other way. That is code for they are destructive. <laughs> that is code for I'm not going to repent. Oh, no. But the true person who is hungry is willing to say, I have a problem. I'm far from God, and I want him. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to change and find favor in his eyes and find favor in the church's eyes. So I think God is raising up judges among us. He sure is. That certain type of ministry to be able to decipher what is wrong and what is right. That's what Samson did. You know, the book of Judges, there's unusual things that happen in that book that you don't see in any other book. You know, for one, uh, Israel fell into sin in uh, Judges chapter 13. And uh, an angel of the Lord visits a uh, husband and wife and announces to them, you will have a son. You will have a son. And they had this son, and his name is Samson. And I love what it says there in the end of chapter 13 of Judges. It says the spirit began to move upon him. The spirit moved upon him. Let me tell you, the moving of the Holy Spirit is powerful. God is always moving. God never stands still. He is always active. But his spirit is not always moving upon individuals. But when his spirit moves upon an individual, oh, there is something precious and so powerful about it. You know what I'm talking about. You can feel it. The Holy Ghost is like wind. We don't know where wind, the wind came from. We don't know exactly the location and origin of it. Some say it's the sun. Solar wind comes from the sun. I could see that, but still it's a mystery to us. The wind, it just kind of comes from nowhere. And then it goes somewhere. We have no idea where it came from or where it went. That's like the Spirit of God. It is like the feeling of wind. Wind has a beautiful sound. It's a sound of speaking in tongues. Wind has a feeling of comfort, a feeling of, of, of a refreshing. Wind is good for the environment. All of these things that wind that the Holy Ghost is likened to. And that's what happened with Samson. That was the beginning of his time as a judge. It was the moving of God upon him. People of all ages listen to spirit signal, young and old. But I want to speak right now to those who have a call of God on your life, basically from the beginning of your life. Maybe God visited your parents uh, before you were born and uh, gave them a, an idea of your prophetic destiny. You know, that still happens to this day. That's very New Testament. It sure does. And uh, parents, hang on to that word for your children. God's given me words about my children. 
He, he certainly has. And when the time comes, I'm going to tell him about it. That's, that's how ministry begins. It begins with the moving of the spirit. Feelings will come upon you to act, to speak. And it all starts very small. And after it happens, it is a surprise to you. This is how it began for Samson. It began with a lion. A lion. Ugh. I, you know, I, I know there's great people on Spirit Signal, but I guarantee it, none of you listening to this have ever killed a lion. At least not with your bare hands. Oof. That is strong, tough. And at that time, in that place in Israel, there was a lot of lions. You know, they, they've driven them out. But there were a lot of lions. And a lion just surprises Samson. And to Samson's surprise, he tore that lion in half. It was supernatural strength. Him against that lion. Normally, it would not be one man, but many men trying to take out a lion to trap it, to kill it, to control it. But a strength that he had never seen before came upon him, and he tore that lion in half. And he knew to his surprise, it was not through bodybuilding. It was not through strength training. It was not through muscular endurance. Oh, no, this was not a human strength, but a supernatural strength. A supernatural ability to tear a lion in half. And he would later <laughs> tear down big walls, tear down gates, use just the jawbone of a donkey to tear apart thousands of Philistines. And then to ultimately tear down pillars and bring down an entire Colosseum and destroy the enemies. When you have a call of God on your life, the Spirit will move upon you in small ways that will represent the bigger things that you will one day accomplish. It sure will. You want to know what I did with my friends whenever we'd have uh, sleepovers and stuff? You would always see me with a tape recorder. <laughs> I don't know where that tape recorder is. I need to go through storage. I may still have that. That, that needs to be uh, put in, in the, the pile of good keepsakes here in my office. I always had a tape recorder. And you know what? I would record myself and my friends, and we'd make silly recordings about whatever came to our mind. We never had a script. We never had a plan. We'd just start talking. And most of it was just... Silly kid stuff, you know, Beavis and Butthead <laughs> type of entertainment back in the 90s. You know, there was times when it would get serious and it would get spiritual. And, uh, I, you know, I quit doing that, but I picked that back up last year. And this podcast has exploded. Gone to a totally new level. And I love this audience. This stuff did not begin really in 2020. It began in 1990 as a kid with a little tape recorder having fun. That really, and I, and I know it was silly, and I don't know where those tapes are. Silly stuff. But really, it was God moving upon me for something greater that would come later on in my life. When I was at Bible college, and those of you that are Gateway College alumni <laughs> are going to start laughing, 
There was a time when I recorded myself doing prank phone calls. Yeah, that's what I did at Bible College. <laughs> recorded prank phone calls. You know, and back then, uh, a friend of mine named Eric Nord had the uh, technology, and we started copying CDs, and we sold them. And we both walked away with, like, several hundred dollars. I think I made, like, $700. I made two CDs off the first one. I think I remember making counting $700. Goodness gracious. Off prank phone calls, recording myself. You know, it started out fun. It started out silly. But you know what? When you're a beginner, when you're first starting out, you don't, you don't know how to be a professional about it. You know, it starts with silly things. You know, you ask preachers out there that are preaching seriously. All of us started with little toy microphones. You know what? My first microphone I ever got, I remember opening up a Happy Meal and, and it was this little microphone. And it was like the, uh, like the, uh, had the McDonald's logo on it and stuff. And it was the silliest looking thing. But I would preach with that. I remember that being five, six, seven years old. Maybe that's why I still like to go to McDonald's. Maybe I should push, push pause and go get me a double quarter pounder. Oh, they good. Yeah, those little Happy Meals, that toy microphone. And I would preach with it and say silly, goofy things. You know, it wasn't like preaching the word of God. It was just me talking and being silly. That's what happens with musicians. They get their toy pianos and it's all silly stuff. And it's it's usually geared towards entertainment, making you know the family laugh at holidays. I, I love that, seeing children do that. That is how God moves upon us as we develop and prepare for ministry. It starts with a small thing that represents what is greater to come. And for Samson, it was tearing apart lions. And he'd one day tear down Colosseums. Little did I know with a little tape recorder and my childhood church friends, little did I know that it would turn into this podcast called Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. Little did I know that a Happy Meal microphone would become a greater microphone to reach an audience not with just little silly jokes and silly games, but preaching the precious, powerful word of God. I know most of you out there are doing well and you have your life together, but I know some of you listeners, you've messaged me, you've contacted me. You're having a hard time sleeping. And the only thing that helps you find any rest and find any relaxation to quiet your thoughts and your mind to stay your anxieties is this podcast. I'm praying for you. There's some of you, your marriage is in trouble. And you listen to this podcast and you've believed in love once again. There's some of you that have listened to this, you're tired of being single, but this podcast has inspired you to get out like the Bible teaches a man. Get out and find a wife and you'll find a good thing and find favor from the Lord. That is our message. You've got to look for God. You have got to open your eyes and look where God is signaling to you and showing you where the signs are. People, you have got to wake up. Look at this world. It's a mess. It is a mess. And it can't be cleaned up. That's why it's going to be destroyed and made completely new. 
be completely made whole. It is no wonder Jesus said, behold, I've come to make all things new. Just like Samson, the spirit moved upon him. The Holy Ghost moved upon the Lord Jesus when he was a boy. Sitting there in the temple, talking to the greatest Old Testament minds of his day, and he is there baffling them at 12 years old. Woo! (laughs) Just like Samson tore apart a lion, our Lord tore apart a roaring lion, the devil himself. That's right. He sure did. Just like Samson would later on to marry a Gentile, a Philistine bride, because it was an occasion of the Lord. Our Lord Jesus married a Gentile bride, the church. Yeah. Just like Samson, his birth was announced by an angel. Our Lord's birth was announced by an angel. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Just like Samson, as he was growing up, the Lord blessed him and gave him favor. Our Lord grew in the favor of the Lord. You know, both of them, you know, Samson spoke in riddles. What does Jesus speak in? Parables. Hidden sayings with a hidden meaning. You look at Samson, he had seven locks of Nazarite hair. Seven, that's a popular number with God. You look at uh, uh, Revelation, there are seven spirits of God that are before the throne. Samson never raised up an army. He fought alone. He worked alone. And through just himself and the strength of the Lord, he was able to destroy thousands, thousands of enemy soldiers. And you look at Jesus. He had a great following, but at the end of it all, it was just him. And his greatest victory was accomplished all alone, all alone without an army. You see Samson always fighting from within. He's fighting within captivity. He's fighting within the city of Gaza. He's fighting within the Philistine Colosseum. Where's Jesus fighting? It's always within. He's fighting within the synagogues. He's fighting within houses. He's fighting within even his own temple. Always a fight from within. Oh, yes, the typologies are there between Samson and the Lord. That's why Samson is listed in Hebrews as being a hero, a hero of the faith. Yeah, Samson got angry and set the enemy's fields on fire. What does Jesus do? He overturns tables. He then sends the fire of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Samson, betrayed for money, betrayed for money. Jesus is betrayed for money. And lastly, at the very end, it looked like they were defeated. Samson's enemies rejoiced over him. Samson's enemies mocked him. That's what happened to Jesus. It looked like it was over. The enemies railed against him, gnashed their teeth against him. But right at the very end, they make a comeback. And at the end of it all, with their death, they were able to destroy more than with their life. Samson, the judge, is here speaking from the word of God to a man or woman out there listening to this. You've got a destiny on your life. Don't be afraid of the enemy. 
Let the Spirit of God move upon you. Let the Spirit of God teach you. Don't be afraid to do what the Spirit says. You have, may have never seen a miracle, but you know good and well the Lord is moving upon you to begin to lay hands upon people. If your church is asking people to keep social distance, do what I do. Lay your shadow on somebody. I was praying for people this past Sunday in the altar with my shadow upon them, and I saw breakthrough. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Do whatever you got to do. This past Sunday, we anointed a prayer cloth to send to somebody who is, they're, 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 they're fighting for their life from cancer, and I'm believing God for a miracle to happen when that prayer cloth gets near them, that they're going to be instantly healed of that cancer. That's the Spirit of God moving upon you, listener. That's the Spirit of the Lord moving upon this audience. To let the strength of God carry us. To let the moving of His Spirit carry us. And to let the vow, to let the vow carry us. That's right, Nazarite vow. Don't go near anything dead. Don't eat or drink of anything from the fruit of the vine. And don't cut your hair. That was Old Testament. God came and fulfilled all those things, but he never came to destroy it. He came to make it new. And here the Nazarite vow for us, the apostolic churches, don't go near anything that is dead. Meaning don't go near anything that is washed away. Don't go back to the former things. That's what baptism is about. It's about burying somebody. You want to, you want to know how to, how, to, how to hide a body? Don't hide it in the earth. Bury it at sea. The old you was baptized. You need to go back to the baptism tank every once in a while that you were baptized in and remember, I'm not that person anymore. Don't go near what is dead. The fruit of the vine, that is substance abuse. There are things we are not to eat of and not to drink of. There are things that we are not to partake of. God has called his church to be sober. He has called his church to be sober. I feel it right now. I'm listening to this. You are high right now listening to this. It is time for you to sober up. Put down the pot. Put down the porn. And get into the power of God. Get into the power that's behind this podcast. You've got to stop drinking. That's the temptation of this day. To get back into carousing. To get back into being drunk. Don't do it. Stay drunk on the Holy Ghost. We're called to be sober. Love your wife. Love your kids. Love your pastor. Love your church. Love your God and love this country. And stand up and fight like Samson. Praise God. The hair. Our covenant of hair is listed clearly in the book of 1 Corinthians. Men, keep your hair short. Women, keep your hair long and flowy. It is angelic. It's not a cultural thing. Oh, no, Paul said, we have no other custom in the church. It is a church custom. It's the power of the church. That's why there's power in the apostolic church, because we made a vow and covenant with how we are to keep our hair. That was Samson's strength. That was Samson's strength. And that is our strength. It's January. It's time to look within ourselves. Are we really doing it? Are we really fighting a good fight of faith? Are we really being led by the moving of the Spirit? It's time to wake up. 
It's time to open your eyes. Come up out of your sleep because if you don't, you might not have a church tomorrow. You might not have your family tomorrow. You might not have your job tomorrow. It is only by the grace of God that we are going to make it. So spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in the word. Spend some time with your pastor. Hang out with your church friends because God is coming back. I'm Justin Gleason. I'm a preacher and teacher of the word of God. Okay, I want to talk to you about Emmanuel Cleaver, Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver. He is loved here in Kansas City. We got a street named after him, the Honorable Reverend Emmanuel Cleaver II. You know, we've had him at our church. Uh, we had a uh, celebration of Diversity Sunday, a multicultural service, and he wanted to come over and see it. And I'm telling you, when we gave him the mic, he started shouting and dancing on that platform to look out and see whites and blacks worshiping together. It, it touched and moved his heart. Uh, he is a, a part of, uh, I forget what kind, but uh, uh, the Me- the Methodist Church. He's a part of the Methodist Church that broke away because they wanted to uh, ordain gay and lesbian ministers. That's the part he is of. Uh, he's adopted the liberal vision. Adopted the liberal vision like like many of them have, uh, you know, out there in that in that group. You know, they've kind of blended together the 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 vision of of a, a, a perverse diversity and, and, and uh, you know, really making a push to have LGBTQ everywhere, to, f- to fill the schools with literature of it, to fill the TVs with it, to fill politics with it, and, of course, to fill the church with it. Uh, and it's not going to work. It's all going to fall apart. It won't happen. But uh, anyway, but he uh, got up and prayed last week and uh, prayed a very weird prayer. He called upon the God of creation, and he names him at the end of his prayer, Barama. And, and you've probably seen the clip. We'll, we'll uh, put a link to it here in the episode notes. But he says, uh, in the name of Barama, God of creator, a man and a woman. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't call upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, doesn't call on the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't pray in the Trinity like he would normally do. He prayed to Barama the Hindu God of creation. And he ends it by saying, amen, a woman. Okay. Uh, you got to know something about these politicians. They don't do anything without a purpose. Everything is strategic. They very rarely start shooting from the hip. Oh no, they go in there with a plan and a purpose. And you know what? They talk a lot in code. They use hand gestures. They use uh, hidden sayings to speak what their agenda is. Very rarely is a politician a true agnostic or atheist. A lot of them are deeply involved in witchcraft. They're deeply involved into a certain type of spirituality. And then you have some that really do follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't really know what Emmanuel Cleaver is, but now I guess he is a Hindu. And he is calling upon the demon spirit, the demon Hindu god, Brahma, and asking him, amen, a woman. You know what he's saying there? Amen means let it be. What he is saying there is, Barama, let it be a woman. 
Barama, let it be a woman. What woman? You know what I think it is? Kamala Harris. That is what a lot of this has been about. That's my perspective. That's my insight. And in praying, they're on Capitol Hill summoning an evil, wicked demon spirit. He is trying to get a woman, trying to get a woman to fulfill the spot of being president of the United States of America. That's what it's all about. I'm watching. I'm praying. I'm observing. Reverend Emmanuel Cleaver II needs to make a few changes to his title and name. I don't think he's a reverend anymore. It needs to just be Congressman. Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver II. And you know what? Emmanuel in Hebrew means God with us. Maybe he needs to change his name to Barama. That's right. Congressman Barama Cleaver. Amen and a woman. Amen.